Welcome to Senses of the Silver Screen with Ilya, Hannah and Daisy. Each week we'll be watching the highest grossing films of each census year since 1921 and talking about them for your auditory pleasure. This week... 2001. Wikipedia is launched. Scientists discover that some songs, including Bridge Over Troubled Water, when played to cows, increase their milk yield. And 9-11 was perpetrated. Um... <laughs> That was a bit of a downer to end on. Never mind. Um, and film, film-wise, um, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or Sorcerer's Stone, depending what side of the Atlantic you fall on, top the box office. Interestingly, it's like a really big year for franchises in 2001. Like in the top 10 of grossing films were Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, one of the Lord of the Rings films, The Mummy Returns, which is a sequel, and Jurassic Park 3. Planet of the Apes, which was a, went on to um, have more films, obviously, and Hannibal, which was a continuation of Silence of the Lambs, and Shrek, mm-hmm. which obviously is a oh. So, like, it's sequels are big business at this point mm-hmm. in time, as is The War on Terror. That was another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a grim year for international uh, cooperation. Mm-hmm. But we have a nice kids' film to watch for uh, for the top grossing film. So I think it's more than that. It's iconic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it's not a kids' film? I think Harry Potter like grows up with you, or like grew up with you. You know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was a kids' film. I think the first three were probably could be considered like kids' films. But then, as you grow older, the movies also get darker and. It gets more complex and yeah, I think it definitely grows with the audience. I, I do think that the first one is like pretty dark at times. Like it is, if you imagine like watching that when you were like, I don't know, I don't know, nine or ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched it earlier than that for sure. But yeah. like, it, it was it was pretty scary. Like, I don't know, there's a lot, it's, it's very like dark undertone. Yeah, I know my brother was always terrified of the turban. Yeah. Reveal. Like, yeah, I think it he probably watched crazy. it when he was about five and like, yeah, it freaked him out a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think we're all familiar with how this movie pans out, right? But yeah, I'll be going through the main plot anyway as a refresher. So, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, right? We're first introduced to a boy named Harry Potter who lives with his aunt and uncle along with their son. They're called the Dursleys following an incident 10 years prior that killed both of his parents. Uh, They don't treat him very well, to say the least. And following a debacle involving a zoo and an escaped snake, uh, Harry begins receiving letters in the mail. But every time he tries to open one to see what's inside, he's intercepted by his uncle, who kind of seems to be hiding something from him. Uh, eventually he begins to receive such an absurd volume of letters that his uncle decides to escape to an island. Like He packs the whole family up, takes them to an island in the middle of nowhere just to avoid these letters. Uh, it, it doesn't really work and eventually they're visited by a half-giant named Hagrid who works as the groundskeeper at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And this is where we get the iconic line, you're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> Uh, Hagrid whisks Harry away and then takes him to a place called Diagon Alley to get some school supplies and also a pet, um, an owl named Hedwig, who's a very important character. Yeah. Uh, it's revealed that Harry's basically a superstar in the wizarding world, but for quite a tragic reason. Uh, his parents were killed by an evil wizard named Lord Voldemort, and Harry was the only one to survive the encounter but he was permanently marked by a lightning bolt-shaped scar on his forehead, earning him the nickname, The Boy Who Lived. Uh, on his journey to Hogwarts, he meets three other children, Ron Weasley, Hermione Granger, and Draco Malfoy, the last of which Harry takes an immediate dislike towards because of his arrogance. Um, but they get to Hogwarts, and during their welcome ceremony, they're sorted into different into four different schoolhouses by a sorting hat. Um, Harry's placed in Gryffindor after pleading with the hat to not place him in Slytherin, the quote-unquote evil house. 
So he begins his journey at Hogwarts, learning about magic, meeting his professors, like Professor Dumbledore, who's headmaster of the school, uh, the stern Professor McGonagall, who can also shapeshift into a cat, uh, the brooding Professor Snape, who was an ex-follower of Lord Voldemort, and then the really dodgy Professor Quirrell. Uh, he also strikes up friendships with his fellow first years, meeting other students like Neville Longbottom and so on. I think we all know the gang by now. Um, a mishap involving a shifting staircase leads Harry, Ron, and Hermione to accidentally discover a room guarded by a three-headed dog. Um, at this point, their friendship is a little rocky still, but it solidifies once uh, Ron and Harry save Hermione from a troll in the school dungeon. Uh, they discover that the three-headed dog is guarding the Philosopher's Stone, an object that will grant immortality. Uh, they suspect that one of their professors, yeah, Professor Snape, is angling for the stone to restore Voldemort's physical form after it was destroyed all those years ago when he tried to kill Harry. Uh, the trio decide to stop him, uh, and they try to get to the stone before he can. Uh, what follows is a hell of a lot of obstacles for these 11-year-olds. Uh, first, they get caught in a plant equivalent of quicksand, and then they have to navigate a room full of flying keys, and then they have to play a massive game of chess, which leaves Ron injured, um, and Hermione urges Harry to continue, continue on while she stays with the other boy. Uh, he gets to a room with a mirror, that he discovered earlier on in the film, uh, called The Mirror of Erised, which shows you your deepest desires. Uh, Harry discovers that it was Professor Quirrell all along who wanted to restore Voldemort using the Philosopher's Stone, and he was hiding him in his turban. Harry gets hold of the stone, and as Quirrell tries to wrestle, wrestle it from him, uh, Harry throws his hands up to protect himself, which turns out to be pretty effective because Quirrell then starts burning, and then he disintegrates. But Voldemort's soul is still intact, and then Harry collapses. Uh, he then wakes up in the school's infirmary with Professor Dumbledore at his side. Um, he explains to Harry how his friends are safe, and now that the stone has been destroyed. And he also explains that the reason he, he was able to defeat Quirrell was due to his mother's love casting a protective spell on him when she died to protect him all those years ago. The closing ceremony of the school year... Um, Ends with Gryffindor snatching up first place among all the four houses after some last-minute house points awarded for the trio's bravery. Uh, the movie ends with Harry returning to the Dursleys for the summer, but knowing that Hogwarts is now his real home. So yeah, that's the movie. <laughs> Yay! I feel like I relived it. <laughs> yeah. It is quite a long film for, like, for the audience. It's quite the audience is going for. You'd think it, they would try and fit it under two, two hours. Yeah, but I guess I guess that you know the book adaptations are always a bit longer, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, all the previous times I've watched it, I never like realized how long it was. But then I saw the running time, and I was like, "You mean I've been watching this like all <laughs> two and a half hours?" Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I never realized. Is it two yeah. and a half hours? Mm-hmm. I oh think so. Yeah. I thought it was just two. Wow, it's quite yeah. long. I think the pl- I think the places where they spend the most time as well is a bit weird, like because there's a lot of Quidditch in it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even mention the Quidditch in the <laughs> in the summary because like, I mean it is important, but like adjacently. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I feel what I see the Quidditch as. I've had a lot of time to think about Harry Potter guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Quidditch is like Harry like coming into his own like in yeah. the new magical world and he's like just like his dad he's the first he's the youngest seeker um mm-hmm. and it's like so he's famous because his parents died but he's also a good uh well he's a good wizard but like yeah he just fits into that world very well he also doesn't like he doesn't cast a, a single spell in the first film does he maybe one but he doesn't really he doesn't really cast any spells so his magic prowess is basically just shown through quidditch rather than Hmm. Spell casting. Yeah, I never thought about that. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. It's basically just Hermione that does it, isn't she? Yeah, true. Like when they're doing like the Guardian Leviosa. Does he not? No, because he's sitting. It's a Seamus, and Seamus just blows himself up. Huh? He says up to the magic wand. Uh, Magic wand, the broomstick. Yeah, that count. 
but that's still Quidditch, so. Yeah, know. it's kind of Quidditch related, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like, obviously Quidditch is mas- is magic because they're flying. Yeah. yeah. But like, he doesn't he doesn't really use his wand, does he? That's true. Like when the one time he does use his tries to use his wand against the troll, it just goes up the troll's nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is true. Anyway, I noticed that before. Going to be this great wizard, and he doesn't even cast the spell. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe he casts the spell in Ollivanders, doesn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. Mm, but yeah. he's kind of just mm-hmm. like it just glows, like when he holds the wand. Yeah, is yeah, he just casting a spell? Yeah. Or is the wand the, the wand is just choosing him. Yeah, the wand, the wand chooses, chooses the wizard. The wizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did think that that was like a really dark choice for Ollivander to make. Like third attempt, he was like, "Oh, I wonder if the guy that killed your parents, right? The the phoenix feather from the one of the guy who killed your parents. Oh, I wonder if that'll work." Like, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, he must have had like a very solid reasoning because he was right. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. But then this it makes me question things for like the whole series, which I won't get into because next week. We're doing the final Harry Potter film, I believe. Is it the yes. last or the second yes. to last? It's last the last one, part two. Okay, yeah, part two. That's it's the best one. one. We're bookended <laughs> it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Love it. But like, so if Ollivander knew that, could he have like suspected? But I guess everyone suspected that there was some kind of corruptness of Harry Potter because of Voldemort, I guess. Yeah. Like something might, do- something dodgy may have happened to Harry. Mm. And I guess that's like what the whole thing is about. Like you slowly get to see what impact the attack on him and his parents had on him, yeah. Yeah. and like emotionally and all that kind of stuff. But we're just at the beginning. He's just a little boy at the moment. Yeah, just a little eleven-year-old. <laughs> I do think it's weird that like so the opening scene, which is kind of iconic of like Dumbledore mm. being at Privet Drive and then um, saying to McGonagall, "I'm going to leave him with his aunt and uncle." Yeah. He won't, it would be better for him not to grow up a celebrity kind of thing. Mm. And I was like, fair enough. But then, like, he says, until he's ready to handle it. And I'm like, at 11? Is it <laughs> yeah. any better than a baby? Like, if I was an 11 yeah. year old and somebody suddenly told me that, like, you're majorly wealthy. Yeah. You're, you're incredibly wealthy. You're incredibly well liked. I would not be able to handle that. <laughs> I know, and like I feel like it would have been less traumatic if they just let him grow up a wizard, rather right. than being like you're a wizard at eleven, and like he's just exactly. like so shocked that he just yeah. goes with it. <laughs> yeah. Also, they could have given like they could have given him like foster parents that would have kept him on the straight and narrow, you know. Exactly. Like, right. If he'd have been, if he'd have grown up with one of the order members, then oh my god, can you imagine? Then he would have been fine. If it was like Lupin and Tonk. <laughs> well, I guess Lupin wouldn't have taken him, taken him in because he was would be worried that he would, you know, attack him or whatever. Come violent. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about. Also, how old? How old is Tonks? Tonks must be only like like five or five or so years older than them, right? Five or ten years older than them. I suppose so. I don't really know to be honest. Also, there was a reason why they left Harry with his family, right? Because it was like to protect him. Like oh, oh yeah, like Petunia yeah. has a thing. Yeah, yeah, There's like yeah. Yeah. Actual reason, right? Yeah, because I I think Lily in the books anyway. She says, "Remember my last Petunia," which must have been like you have to look after him. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess, even though they were kind of mean to Harry, yeah. like when I was a kid, my dad used to say it all the time as a joke. He would say. No funny business, or there'll be no food for a week. (laughs) He would always say that. (laughs) That was a classic line. (laughs) I think it's like that, isn't it? What I'm trying to remember the quote. Yeah, yeah, no. I think it's something like that. Yeah. I also, there was one quote that I'd completely forgotten until I rewatched it this time, which was when Filch said, well, he said two things like when they they get detention and Filch is taking them out to the Forbidden Forest, and he says, Mm Um, he's talking about how they can't punish the kids like the students like they used to mm. and um, then he says god I miss the screaming <laughs> yeah he's kind of sadistic <laughs> yeah and then he says something else as well which I've forgotten and um, anyway sorry yeah, forgotten it a fun fact you know David Bailey, uh, Bradley sorry um, who's the guy who plays Filch 
he right. like proper he proper went method with it and he before filming started he bought a cat and he <laughs> and he took himself off to an isolated cottage like in the outer hebrides or something and right. just lived lived on his own for a month to understand filch's like loneliness and oh, wow. stuff like that oh, i know i know that's commitment i love that's that a, that's a lot yeah for that role yeah, yeah. Also, I do think he's really good in it, though. Yeah. It's really, so. like, Filch's backstory, though, is actually, like, really sad. Yeah, like, that he's a squib. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the list... If you've watched the films and not read the books, I don't know if you'll know what a squib is. Yeah. I don't think he's ever mentioned. This is another really annoying thing. Actually, yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he's ever mentioned. No, and no one ever knows. That, I, I thought he could do magic. In the film, mm. I think maybe they mention it in the final film about Dumbledore's yeah. sister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. that's true. That Do they say true. the word squib? I think they I say think. they thought she was a squib, but mm-hmm. then she wasn't. Okay. Wasn't isn't it like that? She's she was an obscurious, which is like what they've got into with the Fantastic Beasts stuff. Oh my god, was that a thing? I need to reread. I think them. so. <laughs> I think I don't think they said that. Like I don't think it. I don't think it was obvious that she was obscurious, obscurial. What's it? I don't know. Anyway, like one, one of the two. <laughs> I don't think they said, you know, it was said that she was in the film or the book, but then I think that's why. Mm. Yeah, I think it's like implied. And then in Fantastic Beasts, when, um, you know, like Dumbledore's a character in that, and he's yeah. interested in the skewers and stuff. Well, yeah. So, listeners, if you don't know what a squib is, a squib <laughs> is someone who's born into a magical family but can't use magic. It's kind of the opposite of what Hermione is. Yeah. Yeah. Muggleborn. Muggleborn. There we go. Getting the terminology right. Gotta do that. And um, that's one of the things that's quite interesting about the I guess the series. It's like there's it's so detailed, you know? There's just like so much mm, lore, I guess. Mm. And it's not yeah. just like I don't know. Yeah, I feel like it goes really into depth about different aspects of the like their magical society, you know. I think I think it's like partly because didn't J.K. Rowling use a lot of real, like alchemy books and oh. uh, medicinal books from like the fifteenth and sixteenth and seventeenth centuries, and she like took words, she took real words from things and stuff like that. Oh, wow, okay. Like Nicholas Flamel was a real, mm. well, like legendary figure yeah. that was, you know cropped up in other stuff, like supposedly fourteenth century French alchemist and alchemists were people who tried to make gold out of other metals that's so cool um, i didn't know that yeah he he's mentioned in like da vinci code and other things like that mm. wow the film i haven't read the book <laughs> but um i haven't done either <laughs> no um so yeah i think that does like lend it some extra texture that yeah you know yeah i know that i think I'm not 100% sure if it's true, but you know when Snape first meets, like, the kids and he says to Harry, like, what do you get when you, yeah. I don't know, I, I can't remember the Ooh. word. Uh, wolf's Bane? Wolf's yeah, Wolf Bane and, and Monk something? Monkswood. Monkswood, yeah, yeah. yeah. And apparently something about that means, like, something about how he's always loved Lily, like, it's, like, code. I don't oh, know, let, let me try and find it. It's really... If it's true, mm. it's debatable. <laughs> you know, Tim Roth. Yeah. You know, Tim Roth was offered Snape, and he turned it down to be yeah. in Planet of the Apes. I heard about oh, wow. it. Hmm. Yeah, regret. I'm kind of oh. glad. <laughs> would he regret that? I think he would. Yeah, I'm kind of glad he did turn it down though, because I don't think you can get a better Snape than Alan Rickman. Oh yeah, he's so good at it. Yeah, I think Tim Roth would have been good though, but just like a different kind of Snape. J.K. Rowling required that all the cast be like British and Irish. I see. So like Robin Williams wanted to be Hagrid, but they oh. said you can't be Hagrid because you're American. Oh, wow. Right. Um, some elitism going on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love. I, I can't even imagine like any of the cast being not yeah. them. But then like, I guess that's because we've like grown up with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what film is um, Bellatrix like first introduced? Is it um, Order of Phoenix? Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, like I think she's such a good Bellatrix. 
yeah that's true yeah, yeah. but um yeah it'll be interesting to like know what it would have been like if that wasn't her rule you know <laughs> imagine mm. robin williams is high grade whoa <laughs> so crazy <laughs> <laughs> he's not yeah. tall enough <laughs> i mean well right like, they had a their um what we call trains like body double for the wide shots to make him look really tall was this rugby player i've forgotten his name i think he's quite a famous rugby player not that i really follow rugby yeah. but um martin bayfield don't okay. know if anybody knows who he is <laughs> um but um he's like yeah he's massive he's like six six eight or something and he like had to wear a like animatronic head that looked like <laughs> Robbie Coltrane yeah. for the wide shots to make it look like Robbie Coltrane was really tall. I've yeah. seen that. At yeah. <laughs> at the studio. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, good times. <laughs> I actually thought the like practical effects and CGI, considering it was 2001, they really mm. haven't aged that badly. No, the only bit that has is the Quidditch, I think. You can really tell that they're cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah. for 2001, yeah. like, it's so good. But I don't know, I compare everything to Jurassic Park because I think they're, s- they're, like, the dinosaurs look real. They still look real. And I think they look more real in the original than they do in Jurassic World. Like, I, mm. it just blows my mind. So I compare everything to that. And I'm like, if they could do it then, you can do it now. So, but I guess it's harder to animate like a person than a dinosaur. I mean, yeah. Yeah, because like you see humans all the time, but you don't know what dinosaurs look like really. Yeah, they could look like giant chickens. You wouldn't know. Yeah, I always think that did they have feathers? <laughs> we got so off topic. But I'm <laughs> dinosaur. Must some of them must have done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, didn't they like say that ones? Some of the dinosaurs that they found before have like similar like genes or something to for present day birds so that's why that's how the whole like um feathered dinosaur idea came about right i mean it's possible yeah and also like i read somewhere that if you try to reconstruct a hippo (laughs) based on its skeleton only you'd get something like completely different from what a hippo looks like so yeah so like what we think of as dinosaurs is probably like completely wrong Imagine and, like, the like, dinosaurs yeah, are just like laughing at us. Yeah, if they all look like hippos, how cute would that be? Right? <laughs> they just look like whales or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, I need to know. But we never will. Yeah. Anyway, that was my fault. I started talking about Jurassic Park. I take full responsibility. <laughs> as a transition fact <laughs> when so they like there was a lot of people who were up for the d- director job chris columbus mm-hmm. did the first two films he also did home alone but um steven spielberg was like uh one of the front runners but he um wanted to make an animated film series he didn't want to make a live action harry potter oh, okay. and he wanted uh hayley joel osmond you know the kid from sixth sense to be the voice of harry oh, okay um and then they were like no we don't really want that we want live action we want british actors and then he mm-hmm. was like okay fair enough it's and he said he said he didn't want to make a film he didn't want to make it because it was just going to be like sh- um uh shooting ducks in a barrel he said um he wanted a challenge so he went and directed like ai artificial intelligence i think was his film in 2001 which did okay. not do very well <laughs> i'm just i can't believe that a cartoon harry potter was even spoken about that's yeah. crazy to me <laughs> yeah i don't think it would work no there's too many there's too many people like i think cartoons yeah. anyway, that all of the main characters are people mm. i don't know let's just think of an example whether can you think of a cartoon where all the main characters are people? Uh, uh, the Simpsons? I mean, it's not a film, but like, I guess that could work. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I mean, yeah. there, there is a Simpsons film with the mm-hmm. dome. Everyone was comparing yeah. that. To the I actually film. really like that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I watched it alone. <laughs> so entertaining. I know. And I think but that's like the first time I heard that Carpenter song. The, oh, which one? Why do why do birds suddenly oh. appear? <laughs> you know? That's the first time I ever heard it. Yeah. Yeah. 
J.K. Rowling wanted Terry Gilliam to be the director. I don't know who that is. He was a Python. He was one of the Monty Python crew. Oh, um, I see. He directed... Um, he was the guy that did all of the kind of cartoon sequences in the Monty Python, you know, with the, you know, like, hand-drawn stuff. Right. He did all of that. And uh, he directed... He's directed a bunch of stuff. Um... Most recently, he directed The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. had Adam Driver in it. it came out last oh. year. Yeah. And Brazil, that's one of his more famous ones. I think he's, like, really good at world building and that kind of thing. So probably that's why she wanted him. Right. I think it would have been cool. I think it would have been a lot different, though. Terry yeah. I think you can really tell when the uh, director's paint in Harry Potter. Because I think the first two feel very different to all the rest. But also sure. the fourth one feels different. Did the did the director change then? Yeah, they had it so it was Chris Columbus for the first two. Also I think they feel really close together because they shot them back to back, like they shot them at the same time, so Oh really? Yeah, because they're worried about the kids aging, so they just shot them <laughs> they just shot them back to back. Um Fair enough. So yeah. And also Dumbledore changes between two and three. Yeah. Well yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So one and two is Chris Columbus. Three is um oh what's this what's his name? He directed Gravity. Alpha Alfonso no? Coron. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think yeah. so. He was he what? was prisoner of Azkaban. Four yes. was four was the guy who directed four weddings, I think. I've forgotten oh. his name. And then five, six, seven and eight were all uh David Yates, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll find out who directed four. I know this is an unpopular opinion, but I think four is my least favourite film of the, uh, of the eight. Okay. Maybe we shouldn't maybe we shouldn't talk about four because it was not what we're doing. But I mean, Mike Newell, about, sorry, Mike Newell directed it. Okay, oh. I don't think it's a bad thing to talk about which is our favourite and least favourite. We can come back to. It. I really, I'm just intrigued about it. What's your favourites and least favourites now? So yeah, four is your least favourite. Interesting. I mean, I don't think that that's necessarily that controversial because it's so different like I think it warrants being your least favorite I do like it I think also it's one of my it's it was one of my favorite of the books mm-hmm. and I read like my favorite bit about the fourth book was well my least favorite thing about the fourth book was like the the rubbishy like Harry and Ron Harry and Ron like Wobbling. um yeah when Ron's like a little petty bitch be up <laughs> <laughs> and it's like harry has been a superstar for three years yeah are you not like accustomed to this anyway um so that was my least favorite thing about the fourth book and that came across really strong in the film mm. and my favorite thing about the books was the um you know society for the prevention of elf uh, for the protection mm. of elf uh, elf welfare spew that yeah. was like my favorite thing and it's completely cut out mm-hmm. of the film and i was like where is um what's the elf's name what's the elf's name, I oh my name. Gosh. isn't it like do- dolly or something like that or am something i something like that, that. i thought it being a w is that right i find out <laughs> it's like a sort of like very girly name i think winky winky <laughs> it's winky yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah winky the house elf yeah, that was like if you hadn't read the books, you would not know what that is. Yeah, I think that was really important because for the like for the allegory, you know, mm. to work. Anyway, so that's why I didn't really like it. Fair enough. Um, well, what were your least favorites slash favorites? It's like choosing like your favorite and least favorite children. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know what my favourite least. Actually, I think Prisoner of Azkaban is like up there. But yeah, um, that's my favourite. Is it? I don't know if it's my favourite so. film because it's quite repetitive. But the book is definitely my favourite book. Um, but it's weird because I didn't like uh, Deathly Hallows Part One when it came out. But oh. I've watched it again and again, and I like love it now. It's one of my mm-hmm. favourites. So I'm like, yeah. maybe I was just too. It really scared me. To be fair, the big snake. I don't even mm. like have a fear of snakes. It just really freaked me out. And like, it was really random. But like one night, I was just, I woke up at like 3am. I just watched Deathly Hallows like that day. And then you know the bit where there's like flies, like on the floor, like Hermione goes in the cupboard and there's yeah. like flies. 
I literally realised that that was like the dead body of like Bethalda. Yeah. Bethalda Bagshot. I don't know. And yeah. I was just like, oh my god, I never even clocked that that was that dead body. Yeah, it, it gets pretty dark. dark. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it does. But it was really good. So I, I can't choose, is what I'm trying to say. How about you, Ilya? I think, um, like, 12-year-old me would have said Half-Blood Prince purely because Draco Malfoy gets the most screen time in that <laughs> than any of the other movies. But, like, honestly, I really, like, I can't really choose between Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2. I don't know. I just feel like they're, they're just so good, you know? It's just so, like, like rich. Yeah. And, like, it's so satisfying to, like, see everything come together. And I don't know, yeah. I think, honestly, I'd say hmm, part one is probably my favorite. That the hell is part one. Yeah. Then maybe, I don't know, Order of the Phoenix or Prisoner of Azkaban. One of those. I quite like Order of the Phoenix. But then, I don't know why, but I have, like, very um vivid memories of, like, walking into a bookstore and seeing the Order of the Phoenix on, like, the bookshelves. And then, like, not realizing that it's part of the Harry Potter series. I just remember my brother wanting to buy the books. And, like, th- that's, like, I don't know. That memory, like, really sticks in my head. Like, I can see the cover and everything. Oh, right. Yeah. It's kind of... And also, like, I only read the books after the last movie was released. Yeah, me too. So, I didn't, like... I wasn't, like, angry about the movie adaptations, if that makes sense. Because I'm just like, well, it's already done. Like, yeah. so I can't be mad if they didn't include parts from the book in it. I mean, I was angry even though I read them after. Like, <laughs> I was that passionate about it. <laughs> I think I still cried. I mean, spoiler alert, but, you know, it's been a while. So if you haven't watched it, <laughs> I'm sorry, I guess. But, like, when Dumbledore died, <laughs> that hurt. Not gonna oh lie. There are so yeah. many painful deaths in this franchise. I feel like maybe we should talk about all the deaths in the last film because that's when they hit, yeah, for sure. they hit hard in that there's one yeah there's one particular one where I'm like actually no there's two no to be honest everyone who dies I'm a bit devastated uh, about yeah. to be fair but there's like very significant ones towards the end but yeah we can talk about that I th- I was read like I was read them rather than I read them myself the first time I read them anyway. I read them again after the films. But I, I was read them before I saw the films by my mum. But what she did was, because she thought, like, my, my brother, like, begged her to read them to us. So she did. But she thought we were too young to hear some of the inappropriate content. So <laughs> she, like, censored them as she was reading oh. them to us. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so... <laughs> but she didn't censor any of the violence or any of the, like the scary stuff all she censored out was all of the girlfriend boyfriend stuff because she thought we were too <laughs> she thought we were too young to hear about like people kissing or whatever no. so like i remember going i remember going to see like uh half the prince prince i think it was and like seeing lavender brown and being like who's lavender brown we haven't we haven't met a lavender mm. because she like oh cut out God. all of all of like lavender brown and ron's scenes from book six <laughs> Anyway, like a, well. a master censorer. Yeah. She's like, like one of those people who can she can read out loud as mm-hmm. well as reading ahead in her in her mind. Dang. So she could like she could just cut things out without without <laughs> missing a beat. And like Lavender is kind of a big role in in Hoblet Prince as well. So mm. she was working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Still haven't forgiven her. <laughs> Should we talk about our first impressions of the characters that we encounter? Yeah, yeah, yeah let's do it. With the next decade. First of all, the casting, like, they got so lucky. Because I know, like, the kid acting is a, <laughs> it's a little bit like... I mean, there's some lines that Hermione says, especially, that I'm like, that's not really acting. <laughs> like, it's a bit weird. Yeah. Like... Um, but for most, for the most part, I think the like the three leads, they're pretty good actors for ten year olds, eleven year olds. I agree, yeah, and I think even though Hermione's was probably like the dodgiest at the start, she probably ended up being one of the best actors out of the three kids. Personally, that's what I think anyway. Yeah, mm. I think Daniel Radcliffe is is a good actor. Yeah, I think he is. You know, fun like fun fact to make them look more like the characters from the books, 
they wanted to give Daniel Radcliffe green uh, green contact lenses and they mm. wanted to give her, uh, Emma Watson uh, like fake teeth yeah to make them look more like Hermione from the books but Emma Watson couldn't talk with the fake teeth in and mm. Daniel Radcliffe got an eye infection or like his eyes <laughs> irritated from the contact lenses so they just had to give up <laughs> I don't think that stuff really matters that much no, no, I mean either. But they still like dyed, like dyed Draco's hair and like. Oh, I see. Yeah. The Weasleys didn't. A bunch of them had to have their hair dyed ginger and that. Yeah. Kind of... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, something that made me laugh was that all the Weasleys have different accents. <laughs> they don't. Yes, uh, yes, I totally noticed that as well. I've never noticed it before as well, and I was like, "Hang on," like yeah. I don't know. I I I couldn't tell quite what each accent was but I knew that Ron did not sound like Fred and George yeah Fred and George Fred and George are like Brummies aren't they right I think I think they're from like similar to where I'm from so okay I think like it's kind of weird because as well there's loads there's tons of regional accents at Hogwarts like Seamus is Irish obviously and stuff like that and like obviously they would have those regional accents when they went to school but by the time they spent like seven years together at Hogwarts wouldn't you think that they'd all have the same accent or like similar accents yeah potentially although they go home every summer so maybe yeah yeah true they would but like if you think of boarding schools like you have like charter house which is a really fancy boarding school there's a charter house accent like people who go to charter house have the same accent and it's so specific because this is so insular that they all have the same specific accent yeah so you think there would be like a hogwarts accent or (laughs) (laughs) sort of back to like first impressions yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I got um, the uh, that was me. <laughs> I went off. Um, so, uh, as much as I love Hermione, she would be irritated if you went to school with her. When she's mm-hmm. like, you could get yourselves killed, or if, or worse, expelled. Expelled, yeah. <laughs> that is an iconic line. You can empathize, or like I can empathize with her because I feel like I was a bit like that when I was eleven. So right, yeah. I she must be like frustrated because she's like I don't know. She really cares about it, and she's like new to this world. But everyone else, yeah. they well, most other people have been in like the magical world, but they don't care as much as her. And she's like, I want to do magic. This is all yeah. a novelty for me, you know. Yeah, Ron. Ron is a bit of a bit like horrible to her as well oh yeah, yeah. they definitely yeah. set up like the the tension well, like, i guess like yeah, yeah. antagonism yeah between i really Ron don't like running hermione together i have to say yeah i'm like okay with it but i don't think you needed it yeah but, i don't know well, like i mean i can confidently say that my least favorite scene in the entire harry potter series is that scene at the end when it's 19 years later or something (laughs) and then they're all shown with like their kids sending off sending them off to hogwarts and it's just like i don't know it is so mm, you know i i feel like it's it just feels so weird I know what you mean. I feel like it could have just ended with them like staring yeah, at the like, river. Exactly. Like, I would have liked that. Also, mm. like, if it, have you read or seen The Cursed Child? Nope. I know the plot, but I haven't seen it. It's kind of depressing. Like, Harry's yeah. already happy in his job and stuff, and you're just like, they went through all of that just for this? <laughs> for, for his kids? Like, did you, are they having problems at school or something? I can't even remember. But it seems and like, like Hermione and Ron are on the brink of divorce and stuff, right? It's yeah. like all these mundane problems after this like literal wizarding war. Yeah, like, exactly. I, I would Man. rather just leave it and not know. <laughs> and just imagine yeah. it was all happy. Well, I'm glad I don't know then. Sorry, <laughs> we've told you now. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it was intended that it was going to be Harry and Hermione. Then if they, if she did that, then Ginny and Ron would have no one. So they switched it around. I don't know. I feel I like... Think they, like, like I don't think Hermione needed any... Like, she could no. just be... They could have all met someone else. Yeah. Exactly. I guess if, you, if you're, like... If the whole of your, the wizarding community of the country goes to school together, then you're more <laughs> likely to find your partner at school, aren't you? But it's a bit you weird, don't... like... 
meet your future spouse when you're 11. Yeah. And like, you don't have to be with a wizard if you're a wizard. Yeah. You'll probably make yeah. it easier. But I know that Seamus' parents aren't. Because he says mm. when his dad found out that his mum was a witch, it was a nasty shock when he found out. That's the quote. Yeah. yeah. Can I, like, about Hermione, like, the troll thing, I don't really understand because why do they lie about, like, why does Hermione lie and say, I was going after the troll and Ron and Harry saved me? She could have just said, I was crying in the bathroom and no teachers came in and told me to leave. (laughs) You were irresponsible. A troll came in and Harry and Ron saved me. Why does she need to say that she went after it? Yeah. I know what you mean. Maybe she panics because I think they all sus- well, Harry and Ron suspected that Snape had let the troll in, so they didn't want to mm. say that. Like, hi, Snape, you're standing right there. You let this troll in. So, I- but then mm. she wouldn't have known that, so I don't actually know. The other thing I didn't get was um, so you know, Quirrell supposedly like we find out in the end. It's a bit like a who done it, isn't it? Like a detective thing because they're yeah. like finding mm. clues and stuff, and then the big reveal is that Quirrell is the evil guy, not Snape. Mm-hmm. But like, so we find out that Cruel was the one trying to kill Harry at Quidditch. Mm-hmm. But then he's obviously a really terrible murderer because he tries to kill Harry like kind of half-heartedly in a curse in front of the whole school. He tries exactly to in like right. broad daylight. Yeah, and then he never tries again. Like the whole <laughs> year, he has like six months and he doesn't try again. Or maybe yeah. he does, but they're so terrible attempts that we don't even find out about. You don't know. He's a defense against the dark arts teacher. He could just like, yeah. My only... killing person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my only um, doubt, my, my only like potential reasoning. Rebuttal. Yes. Maybe he was like quite a weak person, and like he was actually like kind of scared because like maybe that's why Voldemort could take advantage of him and like latch onto mm-hmm. him. I don't know. Maybe he needed someone who he could manipulate. So, like, I don't know. But then he could have just manipulated him to kill him more times. So I don't even know. Well, I think it was yeah. it was Voldemort who was trying to kill Harry, wasn't it? It wasn't Quirrell, because oh. Quirrell's just an unwitting, mm. like, possessed person. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. I understand yeah. that maybe you can say, like, Harry's protected by his mother's love thing. Mm. But, mm. like, again, I was confused by that because... So when Quirrell goes after him, Quirrell goes after him and like pushes his, his hands on his face, like pushes mm-hmm. his face in and he doesn't get burnt. And then Harry just reaches out his hands and his hands burn him, but not his face. And like, so the love thing is just in your hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just in your hands. <laughs> I didn't really understand that. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Another thing, one more thing. <laughs> so, you know, like, so right at the end, the mirror of Erised, like Dumbledore's plan is that mm-hmm. if you look into the mirror of Erised and you, the thing you want most is to have the stone but not use it, then you get it. Mm-hmm. So Harry gets it, but don't like Quirrell slash Voldemort can't because they want to use it. So, but like, Har- what Harry wants most in the world is for Dumbledore not, to, um, for Voldemort not to get the stone. It's not that he wants the stone himself. So why does he get it? Hmm. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if he has it, he knows he hasn't got it. That's my only thought. I don't know. Yeah, but it, he must, just... it must be, like, more risky to have the stone in your pocket when you're standing right next to Voldemort than yeah. it to be trapped mm. in the mirror. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I won't poke any more holes in it. But, <laughs> but that, those are the you're holes. You're ruining childhoods here. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I think this film like had the really difficult task of like just setting everything up. Mm. Like everything all the the visual language of the next like seven films has to be consistent with the first one. So they yeah. have to make all the right decisions about what Hogwarts looks like, what the robes, the Quidditch robes look like, what the uniform looks like you know that kind of stuff so I think they did they did pretty well to like get things as right as they did yeah 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 I don't think there'd be anything that I would like think oh I don't think that fits or I should have changed that like it's just is it's just Mm. that that is just Hogwarts yeah (laughs) Yeah. 
at the height of my like um interest in Harry Potter like man I just wanted the wizarding world to be real you know yeah like you just want to be in it you just want to go through these phases but mm. I think it's um I mean it's powerful it's a phenomenon you know mm. Harry Potter I don't think I don't know like I think I don't think you could meet someone that hasn't heard of Harry Potter like at least heard of it you know they might not have seen it or like read the books but I think the name is pretty uh it's a household name I'd say yeah the first movie did a pretty good job at establishing like you know the the overarching plot points you know that come back throughout the series like Voldemort Mm. and then like the Harry's uh the spell that his mom accidentally casts on him when she like dies for him basically and then you know establishing the golden trio the friendship between you know Harry Ron and Hermione I don't know if this is going into the last book last film a bit too much but I thought it was interesting and kind of foreshadowy that um at the end when Dumbledore is awarding points to Gryffindor playing favorites really yes, like, by like <laughs> doing a twist like oh it's Slytherin you think you've won oh no I'm giving points yeah. to Gryffindor suck it <laughs> like that kind of thing anyway the last person that he gives um points to is uh Neville, Neville and yeah. then obviously in the last book not really in the film because they they don't do it like that but in the book Harry uh kills Voldemort and Neville mm-hmm. kills Nagini, one of the Corcruxes, mm-hmm. simultaneously because yeah. the whole prophecy thing about the kid mm-hmm. born on the thirty first of July it could be Neville or it could be Harry, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, so I thought that was cool that maybe it was slightly foreshadowy that it was like Neville was put alongside them as the yeah he plays cool. like a bigger role than we mm-hmm. might think. I guess yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that, and I think that they set up so many things like really well, like it's not too jumpy between the films I don't think yeah if you compare Harry Potter with something like Star Wars like right. the, mo- the most recent trilogy of Star Wars films first one Force Awakens written by like the middle one written and directed by Ryan Johnson com- mm-hmm. like and then two one either side by J.J. Abrams predominantly yeah. like it was so just dis- like it was just it was like being on a roller coaster you just <laughs> crashing between things mm-hmm Right. But like this, I think partly maybe as well, even though the director changes on Harry Potter's, the this guy, Steve Cloves, I think his name is, wrote mm-hmm. the screenplays for all of them except oh, okay. The Order of the Phoenix. Oh, wow. Okay. So there's that consistency in like writing and dialogue that I think really helps right. it be mm. cohesive. That's really yeah. strange because I don't think Order of the Phoenix seems different in like dialogue to the others, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I didn't think it stood out for that. I mean, I guess it helps as well um, keeping the... It's easier to uh, keep the story consistent because they kind of have the books to guide them. Whereas, yeah, with Star Wars, they're kind of... I mean, I think Star Wars have like has, like, comics and stuff, but they're, like, written by different people and after movies are released and stuff. So they're kind of making it up as they go. Mm. So I guess that's why it just seems so, like, horribly disconnected. Because when I watched the... Honestly, I really liked Force Awakens. Because I guess it was, like, my, like, official introduction to Star Wars. Because when the prequels came out, I, like, I didn't know what was happening. Like, at all, you know? All I knew was that it was, like, very strange visual effects and... Anakin Skywalker was good one movie and then evil the next and I don't know I just didn't know what was going on but yeah Force Awakens was like my my introduction to it and then suddenly when The Last Jedi is that the one yeah when The Last Jedi came out I was like what the hell's going on here <laughs> and then when we watched The Rise of Skywalker I was like what what what, what, what am I watching <laughs> I like them all to be fair hmm? I did like them yeah. all I like them individually, but I don't think I like how they like the the story progressed. Right. I don't know. 
Kylo Ren's a bitch baby. He didn't deserve a redemption arc. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was in like the whole the weird like romance, but then also like Ray's like secret identity, which ended up not being important at all. Like, and well, they know? tried to like reclaim. Like they said, the first in Force Awakens, they was like they were like, oh, who's their parents? And then in yeah, Ashton, exactly. they were like, nobody. Ooh, yeah, shock. Exactly. And then Ooh. in Rise of Skywalker, they were like, oh, psych. Her parents weren't anybody, but her grandfather was. That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like uh, just make your mind uh, up. Right, exactly. It's that kind of thing, you know, the kind of like flip flopping. Yeah. That I I did not appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, off topic again. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so what are your final thoughts on the first film? Obviously, we can continue our thoughts mm. for the next week. Uh, I think it was good. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it was solid. It's just got this like sort of festive, nostalgic kind of vibe. Like, I don't think I could ever get bored of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. I think it's somewhere where you want to spend time. Like, yeah, you just want to spend time with the characters. You want to spend time in the world. So it's all good. Yeah, like it's got enough of a plot to like keep you sort of like engaged, but it's also like not so intense that it like puts you off. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And next week we will find out how uh, how seven films have changed. Yeah. The landscape. Um, yeah. yeah, exciting for our final final episode. Oh my gosh, how crazy we finally yeah. got it! Yeah, yeah. Well, we were meant to finish in January. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we finished in August. Yeah, so join us for yeah. 2011's top grossing film, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, part two. Nice. Yes. Thank you for listening, everyone, to yeah, our ramblings about Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.